If you'll turn with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, Joshua 3, and we're going to look at this chapter um, in Joshua 3. Um, Chad's been teaching on Joshua on, on Sunday mornings, but and doing a great job on it. We're going to look at, uh, focus a little bit on chapter 3 today, though, at a new year and facing your Jordan. You believe we've been through one week already of 2024. It means we have 51 left. Time flies, doesn't it? And um, this year, you may, um, as the children of Israel, we'll look at them in just a moment, you may cross some Jordans in your life this year. Uh, none of us know what the future holds. For the most part, the future is very uncertain. We can guess, we can think, and try to plan and figure it out, but the future, for the most part, is very uncertain. We can't predict what will happen right around the corner. Some things in the future, though, that are certain for this year, we can be certain of this, that this year will not be like last year. There's going to be differences. There are things that happened last year were last year, but there will be differences this year because it's a new year. It's not going to be probably the way that we think it's going to be in a lot of cases, and it will happen much, much faster then we realize it will happen. It will go quick. Did last year not go quick? It sure did. And for those of you youngsters, let me just tell you, the older you get, the quicker it goes by. So uh, it does get quicker every year. And somebody told me that years ago, and whoever it was, they were exactly right. In Joshua chapter 3, we reach a, uh, we're, we're in the book of Joshua where um, the uh, children of Israel, God had, um, had, had um, delivered them and, and um, um, and remember this, the story about the harlot Rahab and her faith and the, um, and the spies that she protected. And when you get into chapter 3, I'm going to read the first few verses just as introduction. And then we're going to come back and look at this today. I'll read down through verse number uh, 8 for right now. Joshua 3, starting at verse 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittup and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, "When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, uh, ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go." For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And that's true in our life for a brand new year. And that's true for a lot of things that come to pass in our life later on. There, there are times we get to places where we've not passed there before. We've not been at that point in our life before. And so that's the part of uh, verse 4 is what we really want to, to maybe take as our main part of our text as they cross Jordan. Look at verse, six, uh, verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant. And went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with, with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. So we'll pick back up to that in just a moment. As we look at this today and look at a new year and facing Jordan as they did and facing Jordans in our new life, uh, in our new year for our life. Uh, there are three very simple things we're going to look at as an outline today, and then we're going to make it practical as we end this. But first of all, we see in verse 1 and 2 that as they begin uh, this next part, this next phase as the children of Israel, 
Um, remember that Joshua was the successor to Moses after he died. It's, it's in there. In fact, uh, God reminds him of that promise uh, in here. But he's the successor to Moses after Moses died. Moses was the one that God used to, um, he gave him the, the commandments and the law for Israel. And then also Moses was the one that God used that uh, even before that, when they were in Egypt, uh, and God was going to bring them out of that Egyptian bondage and, and, um, and slavery in Egypt. He, um, he had um, Moses lead and deliver them. And he said, Moses, I want, to take, I want you to take that, that same staff that he used as a shepherd before God called him. I want you to, I want you to take that and, and I want you to hold it out toward the Red Sea and I will make the sea depart. And it did. And they went through on dry ground. So the first thing we want to see in verse 1 and 2, uh, when... when um, uh, Joshua rose and he's getting everybody ready to cross the, the Jordan River. First of all, the thing we see is that they had the performance of God in their past. They had the performance of God in their past. The Lord had already done an awesome thing at the Red Sea and divided the Red Sea. The children of Israel were delivered from Pharaoh. And so uh, the Lord opened up the Red Sea for them to pass through and, and to be able to go through on dry ground. A miracle a miracle that God performed for them. And so um, as Joshua probably thought about that and thought about how God was faithful to his people uh, way before Joshua was even born, but he was faithful to his people and how God, um, God had delivered them. And so they went through that Red Sea experience and God continued to be with them and guide them, even though they disobeyed God and they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years as a result of their unbelief. God still was faithful to them. God still blessed them. Every day for 40 years, God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by, or with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so he led them uh, and was with them always. Continually, he was with them. Hold your place and back up to the book before this, to the book of Deuteronomy for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 8. So God was faithful and he had shown his faithfulness to his people under Moses. And now he wanted to continue to do so under Joshua, whom he had called to lead his people. Um, he used Joshua to do that, to uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So God led them continually, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, to, to lead them in the direction they should go. And even when they were in that wilderness for 40 years, God still was good. You know, for the Christian who gets away from God, who backslides or gets away from God and may spend weeks, months, even years uh, out of fellowship with God. Uh, the Lord still, we belong to him and he still wants to take care of us. And there were times as the children of Israel that they would say, Lord, why? Um, why don't you give us, why don't you provide food for us? When he had, he gave them manna, again, a miracle from heaven. And yet God was doing these things for them. And yet, uh, even so, there were times that they disobeyed and they grumbled and they complained. Look at chapter 8, starting at verse number 1, if you will. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. So you put a, a parenthesis there because it didn't happen until under Joshua. But God promised them that it would happen. Verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Why did he do it? Look what it says. And this is why at times in our life, God's still with us, even though we're not walking close to him, even though we're, we may be living in disobedience. Look what he says. To humble thee and to prove thee. Now, when it comes, he says to prove thee, to prove and show you my faithfulness and to show you that you can trust me. That's what the proving was. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep 
His commandments are not. So he's saying, look, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at the sincerity of your heart. I'm looking at your heart motives as God does. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give to every man according to his works. And so he says here um, that he, he was proving them. He was humbling them. Verse 3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. How about that? God led them through the wilderness. They never were hungry. They may not have wanted that manna, but that manna would keep them from being hungry. It would fulfill their needs. And not only that, he said, your clothes, your shoes didn't wear out. How about that, ladies? Never having to go buy new shoes. Never. Uh, never wore out at all. Never, um, never got old. He took care of them for forty years and took care of them. Um, as they as they travel through, so he was faithful to them. How uh, has God been faithful to you in your past? In that sense, we're no different from the children of Israel. I mean, we're different in the sense that they lived at a different time. They were under they were under uh, the law that God gave to them as God's chosen people in the Old Testament. But in the sense, he's no, we're no different from them. God is still faithful to His children. He did not uh, do the exact things for them that He had did, that He did for us, um, but He hasn't done the exact things or he, the things He's done for us. They didn't He didn't necessarily do for them, but He's faithful generation after generation. He's always faithful. And the obvious lesson for us is this, as we see this, as they're about to cross Jordan, as we see this, is that we also have the performance of God in the past. He's been faithful to take care of us. He's been faithful to provide for us. He was in 2023 and the years before, and he will be in 2024 and however much longer he gives us time here upon this earth. He's been faithful. He's been faithful to provide for us. He's been faithful to answer prayer. He might not divide the Jordan River before us, but we don't cross actual Jordans probably. But the things that we come through and, and, and go through in our life, our personal life, our, our work, or wherever we, wherever we are, God is well able, well able to take care of the needs of our life. So we see that they had the performance of God in their past, just as we do in our lives. Now, look at verse, go back to verse 3 and 4. We read this earlier, but go back there with me, um, verse 3 and 4. And this is the second thing we see. Verse 3 and verse 4. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove uh, from your place and go after it. In other words, they were to wait and see once the ark once the priest had taken it up as they were supposed to do on those poles and to be able to move, once they started, you go, you follow. Verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. The second thing we see is they had the presence of God in the present. They had the performance of God in the past. They have the presence of God in the present. What was the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it was basically a box so big, so high, about like that. And it was uh, within it, we, we find out uh, from the Old Testament and then later the book of Hebrews records the things that were in it. There was um, the um, uh, pot of manna, there was the Old Testament law, and then in Numbers 17 records um, um, the rod, the, the almond branch, which God uh, caused to bloom miraculously when it was already a dead branch. And to show who was to be the next high priest or, or to, who was to be high priest, uh, Aaron. So um, he put those three things in there 
as a reminder. So as, as Christians, we do not have the Ark of the Covenant today. We don't need it today. Jesus is our Ark of the Covenant. But we think about the fact that what was in there, as, as, that, as that box was carried, you couldn't see, they couldn't see inside of it with their eyes, but I'm sure they were reminded there is the law of God. There is God's uh, Word. And so um, going into this new year, uh, I hope that you will make God's Word more and more a part of your life. I hope that it will be more and more a part of your daily living, of reading it, of, of, of uh, applying it in your life. So that was in there. There was that pot of manna. Um, this generation, there it is, Joshua's lead them. They didn't know anything about that pot of manna. They didn't know about the manna that fell from heaven. But it was a reminder to them that God was faithful to feed them during those times in the wilderness, during those years. He had food for them. He provided for them. And then also the, uh, that dead stick, so to speak, that limb, that branch that budded miraculously when it was dead, the almond branch, to prove, to show who the next high priest was to be, and, or to the high priest, and that was Aaron, of course. And so uh, that was the only one of the other, of the other uh, of the total of 12 branches that bloomed showing uh, who Aaron, uh, that he would be the, the next high priest, or be the high priest. So we see how God... Uh, had something else in there to remind them that even in death, God is able to bring life. And of course, the obvious application we think of right now in our lives is the fact that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. He was dead. He was dead for three days and he rose from the dead. And then also we're reminded that the Bible promises us that uh, for the Christian, for those that are in Christ who die, we will be raised up before the living when the rapture happens and we will all get brand new bodies and we'll be in God's presence. And so he was, they had the presence of God in their present. Their, the past performance reminded them of his faithfulness, but the presence of God, as he was with them, the ark represented his presence. And as it went before them, they were to follow him as the ark went along. And so um, we go uh, into a new year. God is already there in the new year. He is eternal. I preached about last week, if you were here, I preached about eternity. God is in the past. God is in the present. He's in the future. For God, there is no time. He created time for us. And so he's in eternity, uh, which one day we will be in eternity. If you are saved, you have everlasting life. You have eternal life. And so one day that will be in his fullness when we're in his presence. But God is eternal and his presence is always there. And so when you see in the book of Revelation, the last two chapters, as we looked at last week, we see that God's presence is there in heaven. And for you and me as believers in Jesus Christ, we will be in, as we talked about last week, that new Jerusalem. And so he revealed himself to Moses way back, way back before, he, uh, as he began to call Moses to be the deliverer for Israel. And he says to Moses, he said, I want you to, to lead my people Israel. He said, I'm slow of speech. I can't speak to this great number of people. He said, I tell you what, I'll use Aaron, but you're going to be the leader. I want you to be the one who leads my people, millions of them. Lead my people uh, and, and uh, bring them one day out of bondage. I want you to lead them. And when he did at that burning bush where he may have seen that bush many times in his life, but he never saw it burning. <laughs> it was burning and never burned out. And so there he was in the desert. There's that bush burning. And God says to him, he says, who do I say is sending me? Who, who do I tell them? How can I tell them? What do I tell them who's sending me to, be, to lead this so great a people? In other words, you know, anybody could say something and say, maybe I have heard something from God. But Moses had a special message because he's the one God chose. So he said, how am I going to do that? And he says, tell them that I am hath sent thee. 
I am. Not I was, even though he's always been. Not I will be one day, even though he'll always be. He said, tell them I am. Because he is the God of the present, not just the past, not only the future, but God of the present. They had the presence of God in their very presence. Go back to uh, chapter 1 of Joshua. If you're back at Joshua, chapter 3, we'll be back there in just a moment. Go to chapter 1, if you will, and look at verse number 5. Joshua 1, verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And so he gives him his promise that he's right there with him in the present. How many times in our life do we go before the throne? Lord, this, this is burdening me. This, is, this, is, this problem is in my mind. This is my, on my mind and heart. And Lord, what do I do? What am I going to... I'm going to be with you. But Lord, I need an answer. Sometimes answers, we're not ready for an answer. We just need to be ready that God is with us. Sometimes the very thing we need in our life is just to realize the reality of the grace of God. He's the one that sustains us through the most difficult time in our life. He's the one that's there. Have you not ever seen that in your life? Sure you have. God is a God of grace. And his grace is sufficient. And so he gives him the very simple promise, I will be with you. I will not fail you. Same thing for you and me. He's going to be with us. He's never, ever going to fail us no matter what we go through in our life. He's always going to be with us. We're always in his presence. We may not always feel his presence, but the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It doesn't say that you have to feel his presence or that you will. You might. Or might feel something that you think is his presence, and it may be, but there's nothing in the scripture that says you're going to feel his presence. When you do, great. That's a great thing. But you have to trust God when you don't feel his presence. When the tire goes flat and it's pouring rain, you've got to still trust God. I'm preaching to myself, folks. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to Barry Black, too. You have to trust God no matter what. You still have to trust him. He is the I am. He is with us. He told Moses, I'll be with him. He says, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to leave you. Let's look at the third thing. Look at, um, we read verse 5 while ago. Let's go back there again. Then we're going to pick back up in verse 9 for a few verses. Chapter uh, 3 of uh, Joshua, verse 5. Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. They simply obeyed exactly what he said. Uh, look at, um, look down, well, pick up at verse 9. We left off at 8. I want to focus on verse 10, but let's read 9 through um, 13 right now. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come hither and, the words, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you. These are their enemies, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the uh, Hittites, excuse me, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. Wow, they had a lot of enemies, didn't they? And so he said, I'm going to drive them out for you. Verse 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth before you into Jordan. That was his presence. That was his glory going before them. Verse 12, now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests shall bear the ark of the Lord that the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. So, um, many miracle of what he did with the Red Sea. A little smaller um, 
a little smaller version of it here, but it's still the same God and the same miracle. He parts the Jordan River this time. If he can part the Red Sea, I have no doubt that he can part the Jordan River. If he parts, if he parted the Red Sea for our lives, that's a picture of salvation, by the way. If he parts the Red Sea in our lives, for, folks, he can part the Jordans for us to get into the Promised Land. He sure can. And those that may be ahead of us in, in 2024, he can part those. He will be there always. Look, uh, we read verse 10. Uh, the end of verse um, five said that they they uh, took up the ark, and then verse 10 says, "This is how you'll know." that the living God is among you. You'll know that I'm among you, that I work. You'll know that I'm at work. Number three, this is the third thing. They had the promises of God for the future. They had the promises of God for the future. They had to follow his presence. Now, in the New Testament, the thing that's different for you and me is we have his presence within us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. But we see the same principle that we want to follow. They're, they had to follow the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence uh, went before them. We follow His presence because as believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have His Word to direct us, His Spirit to show us in His Word uh, direction in our life. So we see that they had the promises of God for the future. It says in verse 5 there, for tomorrow, um, back at verse number 5, I think I read 6 a while ago, look at verse 5. And Joshua said to them, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Be prepared, he says, tomorrow. It's one thing to know um, about or even know the promises of God. It's quite different to believe and act upon them. He says, tomorrow I'm going to do this. You just wait on me. I'm going to do it. They had the promises of God for the future. This year, I'm entering my 25th year as a pastor. I'm looking for my life and I hope in the life of Anchor Bible Church, a deeper, stronger love for God and His Word. A deeper, stronger desire to see people saved. And a closeness and a unity that our church has never had before. I'm looking for that in 2024. I've been thinking about it. all through December as I thought about today's message. That was what I was thinking about. We need that closeness as believers. It seems like in the past year, finally seems like that all churches have, have come out of the lockdown mode finally. It took long enough, didn't it? Many of us have learned the lesson that to be at least very skeptical of our government and its mandates on these kind of things. We were non-essential in their eyes. Uh, for a period of time. And, um, you know, some of them are non-essential in my eyes, just to give it back to them. Now, look at how churches have been harmed, though, the mandates of our own government. Um, many have lost attendance they'll never see again. There are churches very close to us that are just just really, really grasping to, to get on their feet, stay on their feet. Some lost pastors for various reasons during that time. They're having a hard time finding a pastor. I know of a church I'm thinking of right now that lost a good friend of mine. He was a pastor. Um, it was during the time of COVID. He, didn't, he had other things. He didn't have COVID. He died of something else. And they're still looking for a pastor. And that was in 2020. They're still looking for a pastor. A um, number of churches are. Uh, and unfortunately, some had to lock their, their doors permanently. I don't have accurate numbers. I do know that in the first 18 months, some old articles from a couple of years ago, there were numbers of churches that locked down and stayed closed and have never opened back up. But one's too many, however many the number is. Folks, I'm all about realizing the seriousness of COVID and anything else that may come in the future. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. I know what it did. I know people that died who had it whether that was the cause of death or was part of the reason. I know of that. I'm not discounting. I had it. I'm not discounting that. What I'm saying is, is 
we have to be smart and wise as serpents because our government's not always going to tell us the truth. Have we not learned that? We've seen that. I'll just nod my head for you, okay? So because of that, there are a few things we need to remember. Number one, as we go into this new year, number one, back to verse 3 and 4. We already saw it, but where it tells us uh, to, they, they were to uh, remove their place there, it says, and to go and wait on the ark. And then it says in verse 4, you've not passed this way heretofore. This is the first time for you, number one, in our life to do for 2024 as we apply this, reevaluate your priorities. The Lord wanted the ark in front of them to, uh, to, so everyone could see it. No one, everyone were able to see it because they had that great long distance. They could see it wherever they were. It was never to be out of anyone's sight. Everyone could see it and keep their focus on the presence of God. Their, his glory went before him. His grace sustained them, and they were able to see that. Maybe you haven't trusted the Lord in the past like you should. Maybe you've not taken the steps to be obedient like you should in your life. Have you failed to include serving the Lord and worshiping together as believers as a priority in your life? Too often, as someone has well said many years ago, it's still true, too often we, really, we work really hard at our play, our leisure time. We tend to worship our work, and we end up playing at our worship. We don't want to be guilty of that as believers. The Bible says... In Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeem means to purchase something. Now, we know that once time is gone, it can't be brought back. But as of, this is 1149. So as of 11 a.m. today, well, let me just say this. We have a leap year this year. So we have 365 and a quarter days, 366, 8,784 hours this year. 527,040 minutes this year. As of 11 o'clock when uh, worship times started, we spent 155 hours, almost 156, because it's 10, about 11 till. 9,350 minutes, 561,000 seconds since midnight, Monday at 12. We rang in the new year. Time goes by fast. Opportunities, folks, will flee quickly. What has hindered you? It says there in the scripture, in this next point we're going to look at, look at verse 5 again, to verse 5, to sanctify yourselves. The word sanctify means to set apart. So first of all, as we look at this today, is to, uh, to think about as, they, uh, as, as uh, believers, the, uh, we're to look at our priorities. But the second thing is, is to release the things that hinder us. It says in verse 5, sanctify yourself. The word sanctify simply means to set apart. It means to dedicate yourself. So to make it practical for you and me to release what hinders you this year. What is hindering you in your walk with God? Maybe uh, it's living on your emotions rather than living by faith. Emotions make a great employee but a terrible boss. Emotions have their, uh, they have their merit. There, there are good things about our emotions. Sometimes they're indicators for things we need to think about. But they make a, a great employee, but they're a terrible boss. We can't live by our emotions. And oftentimes emotions are the opposite of faith. They conflict with faith. So release the things that hinder you. Third of all, refuse to live in regret. It says, look there again at verse 5, uh, where it says at the end of that verse, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Tomorrow. That day was, was a day that was going to pass at midnight, but tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. There's something coming that God wants to do. And so because of that, we can't live in yesterday. We can't live in regret. No matter what your past may be, your future is spotless. Learn the lessons of your past. Put the details behind you. you. You need not let the past define you. You need not let the past discourage you or defeat you. 
Nothing can rob us of living up to our God-given potential like living in regret. That will do it. Put it behind you. Tomorrow, he says, I'm going to do great things. You prepare yourself right now. Sanctify, he tells them. Sanctify yourself. And tomorrow, I'm going to do great things. We don't know what tomorrow may hold. There may be sickness this year. There may be sadness and sorrow and loss. There may be. We have 51 weeks left. Who knows? Only the Lord knows. But folks, there are going to be some times that we'll hopefully rejoice in God's goodness. Answers to prayer. Things that He's done in our lives. Ways He's blessed us. Things that He's done that only He can do. So tomorrow, God's going to do great things if we just trust Him. Number four. Verse 7 to 10 I read a while ago was simply rely on his leading. He told them, as, uh, told uh, Joshua, as I was with Moses, I'll be with, you, be with you the same way. He said, take that ark. Once you start, let the people follow you. Let them follow you. So number four, to rely more this year on God's leading. He will drive away, he told them, the enemies before them. Uh, he'll drive them out of their presence. So there are things in our life that God wants to, to push away out of our presence that may be hindering us. The Lord can take care of the details. He's God. And then the verses we didn't read, pick up verse 14 to 17, and we're going to close here. And it came to pass, when the people removed, from, um, removed their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the Ark were coming to the Jordan... And the feet of the priests that uh, bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up above a heap far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, uh, failed and were cut off. And the people passed right over against Jericho, just like God said they would. Verse 17, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. Notice they didn't stand on mud. They stood on dry ground. God dried it out when he, when he parted the sea. When he does something, folks, he does it perfectly. And all the Israelites passed over on the dry ground, and all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Last thing, the fifth thing, when it comes to uh, looking at whatever God has for our future, resolve to risk. Resolve to risk. Don't be afraid to get your feet wet in the will of God. They were willing to put their feet, the priests were right there, and then as, he, as, he, as they stepped in the water, reminds me of the old cathedral song, step into, as they stepped into the water, the land was dried then, and they were able to cross on dry ground. It's amazing what God can do if we'll just take a step and risk getting our feet wet. Maybe there's something this year that the Lord would have you to do for yourself, your family, our church, something He would have you to do. You just need to step out and risk getting your feet wet. And you may be surprised how quickly they, they land on dry ground. God shows himself strong. God shows himself powerful. Ask yourself this year, what would, the Lord do, uh, would I set out to do for the Lord in 2024 if I knew that there was absolutely no way I could fail? If I knew absolutely I would absolutely succeed, what would I do this year? That's a good question to take with you the rest of the day and maybe through this week. Everything that was great or worthwhile was once somebody's dream, daydream, or even a, a dream, imagination. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it 100% of the time. That's a certainty. Do you have a dream or a goal that you can reach and do for the Lord in 2024? Surround yourself with people who reach goals. It's encouraging to watch other people and the importance of other people. It's very vital. I like the quote by William Carey. William Carey was a missionary. He lived from 1761 to 1834. And he was a missionary to Africa. Faithful man of God. Went through a lot in his life. But he said this. 
I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. It goes back to what we're talking about priorities. What things really matter in life? What things do not matter? In the light of eternity, what things just really don't matter in life? They're not going to amount to anything. I'm not saying quit all your hobbies or leisure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying look at them in the time they take up. Because as we saw already, this is the first week. We have 51 left now. This year will go by fast. If everyone at Anchor Bible Church in 2024 concentrated on their walk with God like I do, like you do, what kind of church would we have in 2024? Thank God for His grace. Thank God that He can work in our lives no matter where we've been or what we do. What we've been through, He's still faithful in our lives. We belong to Him. He's faithful. And there's so many times in our life, answers to prayer, things that He does, He's got His hand and His faithfulness all over it. If you just look back and think about it. But He gives us the strength for today. And then when we're looking towards tomorrow, whatever the future may hold, Lord, I want to trust You with whatever is in 2024. There may be some hard times. That's why God wants a church family to work to be together, to fellowship together. We need each other as believers in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your love and mercy. Lord, I pray today that you'll help us as we go into a brand new year. And Lord, may we indeed realize that although there's a brand new year ahead of us, to realize, Lord, that we have to live life one day at a time. We can plan. We can look forward to the future. And even in our plans, Lord, you, you tell us in the book of James, for those who say, Let's, we're going to go into this city or that city and buy and sell. Nothing wrong with that. People have to make a living. But he said, uh, James tells us that we should say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. May that be a phrase that we put in our thinking, in our living, in our, in our words as we go into 2024, Lord. That if you will, if it's your will for me to do this or that, if it's your will for this, we want to seek your will in our hearts and minds and our lives personally as a church. And I hope the folks in here, their families, maybe at their job, to seek your will, whatever it may be, and to trust you, Lord, knowing that you're already there ahead of us. And we look to your grace and your glory to bring us into 2024. Lord, I pray today if there's someone that's never trusted Christ as their Savior, that they'll realize their need for you, Lord. They'll realize their lost condition, and that the only thing that can pay their sin debt is your son's sacrifice, the work he did on the cross as he shed his precious blood for every one of us, died in our place and rose the third day that we can have eternal life. And we're grateful for that. And Lord, I know there's many of many folks in here I've talked to over time that I, I know they said they've trusted you as their Savior, and I'm grateful for that. But there are always there may be someone who hasn't. And, or maybe someone who will listen to this this week that hasn't trusted you. I pray they'll come to know you as their Savior. We thank you for your grace that is very sufficient for every need of our life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand dismissed with a chorus or a, or a verse. Uh, buddy, what, what number you have for us? 513. 513. Let's stand. We'll close with that. We'll be dismissed. 513.